0: Guess who, and guess what? Footy Prime is launching a gin, and we're having a party to celebrate. Thursday, June 6th, join the whole FP crew for Footy Prime's one-night stand at Nickel Nine Distillery in Toronto. Come celebrate Footy Prime's one-ball gin with Nickel Nine Distillery mixologists on hand, Charmin's Proper Pies, meet-and-greet and and photo ops with your favorite primers, and a live Atsuka's Almost Anything podcast. Footy Prime's one-night stand, June 6th at 7pm till when we kick you out. Tickets at eventbrite.ca. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix.
2: Funny Brown, the podcast. Welcome back. Shaman here, Wonga here, Forrest is here, Brennan's here. Uh, A bit later than usual, but we thought that we'd record on a Monday morning rather than uh, ruin our Super Bowl entertainment yesterday, Um, which was actually relatively enjoyable, you know? I know we we make fun sometimes of the other type of football just to upset Wonga, but it was enjoyable. Good ending, good event, Good occasion, full stadium, no masks. It felt almost normal, Craig, didn't it? Good halftime show. It was good. Mm, I really
3: enjoyed that. That was uh, that was that was epic having that group together. Dr. Dre. <laughs> Snoop looking good. Were <laughs> you throwing out uh, the trip signs?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, no, I wouldn't be doing that. Don't wanna upset the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd say what though, Snoop gets looks better and better the older he gets, doesn't he? He looks fantastic. He's like well into his 50s now. Yeah. He is. Dre as well. Look fantastic. What's that secret? They're all all around 50. Yeah. What's his secret? He's loaded. (laughs) Well, that helps too, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) And he smokes weed every day. How old's Eminem now? Uh, He's got a good Yeah. I'm going
3: to say he's 49, 50. Yeah. He's coming to 50. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He did the knee. He did. He took a knee. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Good for him.
2: NFL wasn't hoping for anything like that. You guys winning any money? Good money on this uh, year's game or not? Jim you know, I didn't. I didn't have anything on it. No, didn't
3: win anything.
2: No. Longer? No, not at all. Eh. No, well, listen. Drake did. Um, did he? Yeah, and then he had uh, uh,
3: Beckham score uh, getting a touchdown at any time.
2: Did he okay, put more down on it than than I did? I put two million bucks
3: on on bets. Apparently, how much? One point four million crypto. Oh, well, yeah, that was
2: done in cryptocurrency. Well, he- wow!
3: Hey, Craig, jump in and jump out again.
2: i nah, freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Drake Drake needs the money, so good for him. Um, also, this weekend, you know, I think the the game that probably. Overshadowed the Super Bowl significantly, Jimmy was the Club World Cup final, Chelsea beating Palmeiras thanks to an extra time penalty by by Havertz. Um, if a team wins the Club World Cup and nobody's watching, does it actually happen, Jimmy?
1: <laughs> well, yes, it actually does happen. Listen, that, that was a it was a great result for them to win that. <clears throat> you know, it's just another another trophy, another trophy in the cabinet.
3: Grant Wall made a good point I uh, saw on Twitter that what is it that we don't celebrate an actual world champion but we're going to see a Super Bowl and these guys
2: are going to be world champions world champions Yeah, MLE, so true, World Series you know what I mean? Like, and, and when they handed the trophy out, they didn't give it to Roman Abramovich first. They gave it to the actual players, which is nice to see. Hey, here's a question for
1: you. The okay. Club World Cup if it was held in Europe or in North America, do you think it would make a bigger difference where people would
3: actually follow a little bit more? Mm, would they? Certainly for the occasion, they would. But I think they do.
2: I, I think they have done that in Japan and the Middle East as well for the occasion. I think yeah. you're right, though. I think you're right. I, I think part of it is just we, we know why thief is doing it, right? Because they want to make lots of money. Um, and when you put it in certain venues, that just becomes highlighted even more magnified why yeah. it's there and not somewhere else. So it's a good point. It, it could be the case. What if it was played in the summertime, like a proper club tournament where, you know, you don't just get the, the European champion coming in the semi final stage and you actually have, you know, a proper tournament. You get, you know, more than Ooh. just a handful of clubs and you do it properly outside a world cup year or, or at Euro year or, a, you know, a ball year you do it like a legitimate <laughs> yeah, tournament <laughs> <laughs> but how cool would it be though right see i would watch that though wouldn't you not- oh it'd be fantastic yeah
3: but it's just it's just there just isn't enough days in the year or this competition is everywhere and with the world like you say world yeah. cup like what are you gonna do on those years you can't go in yeah. the summertime, so they try to squeeze it in during the season without uh, trying to disrupt too too much of the regular season. And and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good for them. I mean, interesting that Abramovich, uh, since he's been at Chelsea, he's won five Premier League titles, five FA Cups, three League Cups, two Champions Leagues, two Europa Leagues, and one Club
2: World Cup. It's pretty decent. Cost him a few quid, but uh, he got there. Yeah.
3: See the fans, see the, uh,
2: the players celebrating, right? You know, they're, they're bouncing like they're supposed to. Do you think they, they really care about that? I mean, you guys played. A trophy is a trophy, Jimmy, like you said there. Do you think they were genuinely happy or were they just doing it for the cameras? No, they're happy.
1: Look, as a footballer, you want to win as much as you can because at the end of the day, when your career is over, all you have really is those trophies that you've, you've collected along the way. And that's why you play the game. You want to win. You want to win trophies. And some players will go through their whole career not not winning anything, right? And there's there's a few that do, and and that's that's why you play the game to win as much as you can. So definitely, they would be happy winning that.
2: Delighted. Delighted. I mean, they, they, they put a good show on. I mean, they were like doing your typical football celebration. Well, you know, I you generally gauge it by how high the bounce is, you know, and it was it was pretty high, so it seemed legitimate. <laughs> so. Good for them. What do you make of the penalty decoy play with with As As pretending he was going to take the penalty, so that the Palmeiras players just swarmed him. Meanwhile, Habits just walks in <laughs> through the back door and puts the ball down. Oh, it's clever. I mean, you can't ever do it again now because people will figure it out. But you, you see every match, the penalty's given. You know, teams have tactics to get in the head of the taker, right? And, uh, I mean, Chelsea are renowned for it. They're great at doing it themselves. But Havertz had, like, a free ride right to that penalty spot to take it.
3: It, it was very, very kind of strange, wasn't it? I mean, because they
2: would nick the, the the kicks beforehand. No, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a penalty shootout, though, right? It was just an extra-time penalty. Oh, it was just the extra-time? Okay, I didn't see that. Missed yeah, it. yeah. No, it was it was
1: clever. Look, whoever's taking the penalty, and, and all, all players do it, you, you're yelling at the penalty taker or you're walking by and you, you're having a, a little word with him, more or less telling me he stinks, he's going to miss. i <laughs> <laughs> just trying to put him off a little bit, aren't you? So yeah. it, was, it was clever. It was clever because all those players probably were hammering him and then all of a sudden he walks away, somebody else takes it and you're just like, what the hell's just happened there? Jimmy, were you a, were you a, did you yap a lot while you were playing? Yes, yeah, so I talked an awful lot. Like,
0: did, <laughs> did people appreciate that about you?
1: Were you the. Uh, I annoyed people. I annoyed yeah. people on the pitch because I, I wouldn't shut up. I've even talking to my own players during the game, <laughs> the opposition and the
2: referees. I was constantly just talking. Pain in the ass. You were the Chris Nyland of, uh, of English football there for a while.
1: I, I, was, a, I
2: was a pain in the ass. But at least you always knew where I was on the pitch. I always kept everybody going. Did yeah. you get on with referees though? I mean, you said you, you hammered referees. I mean, did they did they like you? Did you have a bit of banter back and forth with them?
1: Yeah, I did. A, a, a funny time. <laughs> I'll never forget this. I was playing a match, and uh, this referee it was actually in one of the MLS games. A few happened. A few times it happened in England as well. But I told him as the game was going on, he made a couple of bad calls, and I'm. Went up to him and said, Listen, I said, I have to tell you something. I said, You are having a fucking stinker. And he goes, I'm having a stinker. He goes, You've kicked the ball out of bounds three fucking times. You're having a stinker. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> yeah. I started sort of laughing. I went, Fair enough. I walked off.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've player heard player yeah. versus ref. It's amazing. Yeah. They <laughs> gotta I have the that he also himself. hammer his own players. What, 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 do you mean? Do you have recollections of playing for Canada and Jimmy was just like all mouth and like just wouldn't stop and just pissing off everyone? And do you have any Not recollections of was, that? He
3: was just a young guy He was too busy looking, trying to look good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. worried
2: about his hair. <laughs> maybe that's he's a problem he's, with he's a, a Manchester United sometimes. right now. You know, maybe there's too many poses in that team. They draw Southampton one-one. Is, is it too soon or can we say that the Rand experiment, Craig, hasn't worked and that maybe they're not actually any better off than had they just kept Ole Gunnar Solskjaer around? Well, it doesn't look as though they're any better off. Is it? That's for sure. Uh, every
3: team that go into Old Trafford right now fancies their chances. That's a mindset that's not not normal. Um, but saying that, Southampton, what a great week it's been uh, for them and the way they play. They've Hassel, who. Uh, doing a really good job there. Um, fantastic. So they 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 deserved it, I thought. And uh, Man United are just hanging on right at the
2: moment, trying to battle for that fourth-place spot that nobody seems to want. When, when you see somebody or hear somebody's stories, you know, leaking from that room, Jimmy, you know, we hear that uh, the players are calling Chris Amos, Ted Lasso behind his back. You know, this kind of stuff's like, you know, that's obvious going to happen, I think, no matter what, right? But I mean, you're hearing these these stories leaking and, and Gary Neville commented on it and how that's a telltale sign, perhaps, or something not being good there when you don't know who to trust there. Do, do you think there's something innately wrong with that group of players or is it Rangnick's job to solve and is it solvable?
1: Well, he's got to figure out a way how to solve it. I mean, look, we we talked about it last time as well and once, once the press start getting a hold of the stories coming from the players, you, you know, and, and Neville's right. You know, you know, something is very, very bad deep within that organization. Um, and they've had a number of managers come in. Nobody seems to be able to get it right. Um, and I think now it's, it's a time where you kind of got to look at the players and go, is it the players fault? Cause you've had some great managers come in, um, and they can't seem to turn it around. And maybe now it's, it's the players. You, you've got to move on and, and get some new players that are going to buy into into the into the club and the history of the organization and, and get it back to where where it needs to be. Because right now it just looks like a bunch of players that are just playing for themselves and not not for the club. Whereas I think well, Jim- all the players
3: play for the club. And, and also, club, Jimmy, you got the fact guys. that uh, they played a game the other a week ago or so, and players are bought. Uh, the squad was bought by five different managers. You know. So yeah. that doesn't really add up to a successful side either, too. So when do they eventually stick with somebody um and just say, this is it. You know, we're going to stick with them. Uh We believe in his philosophy. We're going we're gonna to get there in the end. And it's the players uh, that we have to change. But that's not a to compete. You know, what they're looking to do is compete against the Man City. They're trying to be that's the level or the bar they're looking at right now. And they're a million miles off that.
1: If you if you think about it, what manager in the world would you go after that could change the culture <laughs> of Man United? Like if Pep Guardiola, Guardiola would come in and absolutely he would change it, right? And I think there's a handful of managers that would, but it's, it's got to be someone special
2: that's going to come in and change Man United. And it seems, and it really seems that the name is, it being mentioned is always Mauricio Pochettino. Um, and he's, he's very good, but he's having some difficulties at PSG setting in there, despite the fact that they think they're 16 points clear. You know, they're yeah. going to win trophies no matter what. But is he, do you put Potch in the same level as a Pep or, or a Jürgen Klopp or, you know, even a Thomas Tuchel, a guy that's come in recently and despite their recent struggles has, has turned an entire club around. Do you put Poch in that same kind of level, Craig? <sighs> Yeah, I do. Um, but at the end of the
3: day, if he goes there or something like that and you're stuck with the same group of players that seem to be doing the same thing. You're you are not really changing an awful lot. They they thought Moyes was the guy. Um, then it was Van Hal, then Mourinho, and you know, if you're talking about some pretty quality coaches here and they've all uh struggled with this uh with this side over the recent period of times and obviously trying to get to levels where man united always expect to be is a different uh is a different thing altogether uh finishing just
2: fourth or third in champions league isn't good enough for them do you just gut it do you gut the team this summer no matter who's coming in if it's pots you tell them listen we're making changes we're we're moving players out you know you have a clean slate here do you just rebuild
3: well ideally yeah but then you you're looking at okay, we, we've got to offload some. Uh, what are we going to get for these players? You know, Who's available? Um, all these different factors come into play, you know, um, and what they do. And do they buy somebody, you know, just to be a squad player or do they buy somebody to actually make a, a serious impact and all these different things? Like the Ronaldo thing, obviously, you know, was big news, him coming back to Manchester United, but... Uh,
2: yeah overall. At, uh, uh, they're not better for it as a team. Yeah. I think do you bring him back, Jimmy? Do you bring Ronaldo back? I mean, I don't blame him entirely. It's not his fault. Listen, he was, he's his first year there, right? It's not their first year struggling, right? But yeah. um, w- would you bring him yeah. back? Is he part of the solution here? Oh, I don't think right now he's part of the
1: solution, no. I mean, that that was a big debate with, uh, with Keane and Carragher. They're, you know, they're, they were talking about Ronaldo and what, what did he come back for? And it was to win trophies, but Right now, when you look at them, they're not going to win anything. But I think what Man United's got to do is they've got to make sure that they they get the the right players in for next season. They get the right manager in if if they're going to go different. Because you got to think as well, Newcastle's coming up. And Newcastle's going to be spending an awful lot of money. And that's another team that you're going to end up putting in the mix. So there's going to be a
0: hell of a lot of pressure on Man United going into next season. Hey fellas, I feel really badly right now that we're talking about Ronaldo without Brendan Dunlop. <laughs> Usually that's how we channel him through Dunlop's hair and his iconization of <laughs> Ronaldo. So I I think we have to report back to Dunlop what Jimmy just said to see if it's on the if it's the right approach. Because I feel badly. I think Dunlop's gonna
2: be crying right now yeah. in his sleep. Yeah, right now, he's, he's, he's watching the Olympics, and, and he's, something, <laughs> he's thinking of the same He's wrong. feeling something. I, I, he's feeling some evil entity <laughs> yeah. creeping over the luge. I, I, think, I think when he sleeps, he sleeps
1: face down, because every time he wakes up, his hair is just immaculate, straight up. <laughs> right? How he gets that big quib, I have no idea. It's going to be a lot of gel. I'm, I'm sure. or, he or he's riding his moped to work. <laughs> he Do must be he spend, conflicted. He,
3: spend, he spends more time in front of the mirror than his wife, I bet.
2: Yeah, he There's, must be you conflicted. Know the, you know the rules, guys. We can't criticize Dunlop unless is here to defend himself. True. Okay. come no, on. we now. like talking about him behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Newcastle, they, they won again, eh? Jeez, you mentioned them. They, they're coming this summer. We know they're going to spend a lot of money, but they beat Villa 1-0. Although Villa had that goal disallowed, which looked so bloody close. I mean, I don't know how they decide that, but it wasn't given. Kieran Trippier scores a, a beautiful free kick uh, and then breaks his foot. He's, he's done his fifth Metatarsal. Um, I've broken my fifth Metatarsal. It takes a while to come back from that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not ideal because he's been this breath of fresh air. He's been almost the symbolic face of this, this recent revival of, of Newcastle. I mean, I, I do I feel sorry for them? No, nah, it's a bit of a stretch. But it just sucks to be a Newcastle fan given that Trippier has just arrived. And now he's out for a few weeks. Yeah,
3: he'll be out for a few weeks. All right. Uh, that was a decent performance. I was, I was actually surprised with Villa. I didn't think Villa played very well, uh, after, you know, the football that they had played recently. I, but you're right about that, uh, that VAR call. Like, how long did that take? It took forever just, to call know, that. I don't, and I'm not even sure they had it. They knew a hundred percent. Like it just didn't seem. Mm. It seems to
2: that they they overturn it like Well we said before, Craig, right? We said if it's it, the whole you know term that's often lost here is clear and obvious, right? If it takes that long, then surely it's not clear and obvious. And well, offside we, with the lines and technology they use, it should be clear and obvious, right? But if it's a different
3: clear and obvious on offside isn't doesn't really come into play. Um,
2: but I think it should when it's that tight. Yeah. When it's that tight, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was yeah. a strange one. Um, but then we're seeing in other games, you know, the, the linesman, Jimmy, they take so long to put the flag up and off sides because they can kind of fall back on, on VAR. Which goal was it this weekend? Although well, in the United game, it was, it was, it was ruled off in the end. Um, uh, the Pogba goal. Pogba scored, uh, Ronaldo set him up. And Ronaldo was, I think it's Ronaldo. He, he was absolutely miles offside. It wasn't yeah. close. The flag stayed down till Pogba scores. I mean, they've got it wrong, haven't they? I mean, as, as a guy that you just missed the bar era, I'm very grateful for that, Jimmy. But, uh, I mean, it, they've got to sort this thing out because that, that in particular, the late flags is doing my head in.
1: Yeah, you've seen it a lot. Um, but I think it's just, it helps out the linesman big time making a decision because if he's not sure, he knows he's covered, right? So it's it's that fifty fifty. Oh, is he off? So I'm not sure. Hold on here. Flag goes up. Let's have a look at it to make sure that we're accurate. So it helps him out in that decision. Whereas before, if it's a gamble, it's oh, do I, do I leave my do I leave it down? Do I put it up? So it does help out the, the the officials big time, just having reassurance that you know we can go back and look at this to make sure that we made the right call.
3: I think the assistants are. Uh... You know, they have to be aware more so than ever before. And they, to admit, for the most part, they're, they're very, very good. The assistants. And if it's close, they absolutely, they leave their flags down on purpose. Or there's some that are just late offside, uh, that, that, uh, should, they should put the flag up because it's so obvious. But any of the close ones, tight ones, you're even seeing referees wave off penalties
2: because they're like that. Well, VAR is going to check it out. So, yeah. I think Ian Dark was, was doing that game, and he mentioned, you know, "What if you know Polper got injured in that play, for example, and he exactly. was late in the offside?" I mean, you got to think about exactly. the players' welfare here as well. You know, why open that can of worms?
1: Yeah, but I think sometimes too they they leave the flag down before they put it up because it, it depends on the play and, and how much congestion's around. Even the, the players offside, there might be a third man coming in, a third mm-hmm. man run break in the line, and that player leaves it. So they they've got to wait for that play to to evolve and finish before that flag goes up, right? Just in case something else happens. Because if they put the flag up too early and the ref blows a whistle and the third man's coming in, well, you've just killed the play. Yeah. yeah, Good point. A lot of the time there's a delay because they're probably seeing something happening and waiting for that player to
2: make his run. When did football get so complicated? When they brought in the offside role. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Should we do away with the offside rule? To hell with it. Just punt it up the field. <laughs> Let most sell our well, a year.
3: tried all sorts yeah. of different things.
1: We, we were at the ESL. under-17 World Cup. Do you remember this one, Craig? We were talking about it. I was at the under-17 World Cup in Japan, right? With Canada. And it was the first time that they ever brought in the kick-ins rather than throw-ins. You've never seen such a shit show in your life. If you were down one nil, every throw-in, that ball was getting kicked into the box, flick-ons everywhere. It was a mess. It was like watching the old Wimbledon games.
3: That Just is yeah, Crazy.
1: into that box. Put that's the right. back in. We're down one nil. Oh, it was
3: a that's mess. right. They got rid they, of real quick. Yeah, they did, and they tried a lot of that stuff at youth tournaments, you know, to see how they'd work out, and even like. You Know in the states, uh, college football tried unlimited substitutes, you know, and then it was like, uh, okay, well, that didn't turn out right because they would bring in the basketball player for set pieces. So every time there was a set piece, you know, it'd be like, okay, you five off, bring on the basketball lads, right? Set yeah. piece goes out of play, no yeah. more substitutes, you're all, and it just uh,
2: that didn't work either, like, yeah. Yeah. You know. Again, overcomplication of the sport, right? It's a pretty simple sport. It's one of the simplest sports, maybe the most simple sport, yeah. right? Don't make too much of it. But is there a rule that you would change right now to improve the game? Is there a rule, Craig, that that you would change? And Jimmy, you jump in after Craig. Oh boy, put me on the show. I would have to think about that rule change. We can address that maybe on Wednesday's podcast and yeah. get back to it. Unless something jumps out to you, Jimmy. Anything? Ah. Of course, the, the no offsides. I have
1: to think about that. I have to think about
2: what and I, mean, I do, do. I
3: do like the rule change where they're you know inside the box, the the goal kicks being able to play inside the box and keep possession. I think it's created a completely different game. Uh, as well as I think people forget too. I mean, we think back to our day, or certainly mine, and the pitches being so poor. Some of them, you know, playing that way. Is it wasn't really an option. Like your, your manager's like, you know, it's just too bumpy. It's too unpredictable. The to surface, you're going to end up coughing it up in the wrong area. So it created this, make sure you play in their third. And then they go, make sure you play in your third. And then the guys in midfield are just watching. And they stretch <laughs> the ball off at the end of the game. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, as it stands, Newcastle now are uh, four points clear of the drop zone. So um, let's not say they're they're safe just yet. Far from it, especially with, with Trippier going out. But uh, Norwich on seventeen, Watford on fifteen. Watford, obviously, the the Roy Hodgson bump hasn't happened just yet, but it's pretty early. <laughs> still waiting for it. And Burnley's yeah. still down on fourteen points, uh, but they have got games in hand. But the more you watch Burnley, and even yesterday a- against Liverpool, they had their chances in, in that first half, but they just lacked that 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 quality. And I do. If I'm going to bet right now, yeah. I'm yeah. saying this is the year they're going down. Uh, I'd have to agree with you on that. I, I think that, uh,
3: yeah, Burnley, they're having a hard um I think I had something here on them as far as their record. But um, Sean Dyche, we know great a great job he's done with that team, keeping him in the Premier League as long as he has. But uh, they've got themselves into a position where i I feeling the same as you I think this might be the year they go down sadly I mean it's a sad situation for them as a as a club too right the getting yeah. back up very very small town burnley so it's a it's a difficult one for them but the, we'll see yeah.
1: yeah I think with with Daichi and Moni, they've they've done a hell of a job with what they've what they got they, they can't compete with the with the bigger clubs they can't spend the money but they do find ways to win um and I think this is gonna be a year where, yeah, I agree, I think they will I think they'll they'll drop down. Um, but I think there'll be a club that will come straight back up because Daichi knows how to get out of that championship. Um, and normally he knows how to keep in that Premier League, but they're they're just missing a few players this season. And it's like what we said before, the Premier League's just getting better and better and better all the time. And all these clubs are spending money now, getting getting some of the best players in the world now coming into into this league even more. More so, it's finding it even more difficult. It's it's Burnley can't go out and spend you know fifty million on a player. They just can't. You know they, no. they to figure out ways to do it, and Brentford's finding ways to do it right now. You know they're, mm-hmm. they're being very clever about it, and I think Burnley's going to have to follow suit.
3: I th- I think that the you know the distribution of money um in the Premier League is a is a massive thing, um from top to bottom it's not a, it's not as significant as you see in other leagues, um the German league for instance lots of talk about playoffs coming into the Bundesliga because of the dominance I mean I think Bayern Munich are headed for their tenth straight title I don't think there has been a title race like a true title race since probably 2011 2012 in that yeah. league. So what do they do about it? I mean the structure of the league I like the 50 plus 1 um but it also stops foreign investment. So they've got to think about the league they're competing against the oil states of PSG and then and, and then uh, Man Citys and Newcastle's and all the capitalists the American money coming in uh oligarchs money in the Premier League. Uh what do the Bundesliga do? Um I think it's a distribution thing. I don't think it's a format for me. The format's never been a problem. It's just the distribution of money, and, the,
2: and Bayern flex their muscles all the time and crucify everybody else. It's its gift and it's its curse at the same time, though, right? Because I like the, the structure as well. It's great. I mean, you want to support a club? In <clears throat> Germany, you really feel part of that club because you can yeah. actually own a chunk of that club, right? It's, it's incredible. Although Bayern lost to Bochum this weekend 4-2, A promotion club, first time lost to a promotion club since, I don't know, well, I think 2005 or something and, and four goals against in the first half, the first time since the mid seventies. Yeah. I mean, maybe there is some life in the old lady yet, you know, the Bundesliga, but the fact that Bayern Munich are even talking about, okay, we'll, we'll discuss a playoff system. Oliver Kahn said, Hey, yeah, I I see, I see the benefits of it. Um, are are we just so Mm -hmm. entrenched in relegation promotion? One table format as football people that we we dismiss it and almost ridicule it. Say, oh, you can't do that. That's what they do in North America. This is not true. Other other European leagues do it. South America similar as well. Clausuras, mm-hmm. Aperturas oh, is no. all very different. Um, are, are we just entrenched in the fact that oh no, this is how football traditionally should be, and are actually closing our minds to what could be a lot of drama, a lot of excitement in a playoff format? Yes, yes. Uh, I think we. We are a little bit the
3: traditional side of things is when you say, "Hey, you're, it's, a, it's a it's a trophy because it's it's see total season <laughs> the whole season you're gonna you're gonna be champions." But there's also the fact that league Bundesliga, you're you're missing out that you yeah. know one of the biggest things I think about the German league is the spectacle the the, the fan experience the, you know it looks great on TV. I don't think there's a league that looks better on TV, but I think they're even noticing some of those fans are now sort of, you know, disappearing or not coming out because you know they're they're lacking. Hey, our club's got no chance of competing, and even though Bayern lose on the weekend, so what? There's seven points clear. Yeah. Like it's not like it's not a really a it's a big deal for Bokum. But I think back in the day, I think there was a game when, or years ago, maybe the C's were up four nothing and lost five four. I think it was. It's actually First league of match of the century or something. But it wasn't to be on the weekend. But um, yeah, that it's good for uh, good for all form, So
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, good news regarding him. The club said this weekend that he's making great progress. Um, he's having another checkup in a couple of weeks' time. But so far, best case scenario, he's hit those markers, and he should be well. He will be fine. Uh, the question is, when will it be in time for? those upcoming games at the end of March for Canada. Um, Still well over a month away, so it bodes well. Don't need him. No, you will. That's being proven. Don't need him. No, we don't need him. Let's be honest. Can you imagine? Still need need Fonzie. What
3: fucking Twilight Zone are we living in? And we actually have a world-class player, and it's like, no, we don't. No, yeah. Stay home. Get healthy. (laughs) We'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be (laughs) all right. Don't worry about Fonzie. Put your feet up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get some more views on TikTok or... Twitch or he's got like <laughs> yeah. 10 million social media followers something like that on all platforms. I mean, that's is he really Jesus. Yeah. I mean, and he's, what, he's 21 now.
2: Like, yeah. He's been, a, he's been,
3: he's been doing this for like three minutes.
2: <laughs> I know. And he's still becoming the player he's going to become. He's not even at his, you know, top, the top place. When, when we look back in his career, this is the beginning. This is his infancy, right? It's an yeah. amazing thing, not uh-huh. just as a player, but as, as a global brand as well. Right. I mean, people will know about this kid. When we, we have, think about, we how, good,
3: think about December. How, how good we could look in 26, like
2: he's mm-hmm. saying, I mean, that he's gonna, gonna be right in his
3: prime, right? David yeah. Prime. We got, I mean, there's a stack of young players in that Canadian
2: team. They're gonna be around. Uh, there's kids we don't even know about yet who are gonna be part of that picture. Yeah, they know about it, right? Yeah,
3: John, yeah. John knows about it, but everybody wants to play for Canada. I've got a call from, uh, Uh well, it's Paul Pesca Toledo saying that there's hey uh there's a 17 year old lad at Bristol City, Jimmy's old club, um center back. We're gonna need one of those, (laughs) although he's 17, uh, but very highly rated. So they're all reaching out, and uh, the CSA are uh, are finding out about these players uh, if they haven't already known
2: about them beforehand. I just love the, the, how the energy in this podcast lifts when we start talking about Canada now, as opposed to sinking down to the depths as it used to for so many years. It's, it's so refreshing. It's great. I love it. Um, ripping through some other games here. Everton smash Leeds 3 0. Um, Frank Lampard happy about that. Marcelo Bielsa, not so happy about that. Um, people ridicule Frank Lampard and, and they place Bielsa on this, this pedestal, right? He's like the, the hipster's king, Marcelo Bielsa, right? Um, do hipsters have too many media column inches? Because I'm I'm going to take the devil's advocate here. Okay, Bielsa's leads are very inconsistent. Um, he's never won anything before. Is he being elevated a little bit too much at the expense of some other guys who are just all automatically, you know, denigrated like the lampars of the world? You know, oh, you're just useless. you oh, this guy, this guy is the king. You should base your entire career on, on Marcelo Bielsa. Is it too much, or is he actually a genius?
3: Well, I don't know if he's a genius, but I love the way he plays because he's in, he plays the game like its he's in the entertainment business. So I like that side of things. Does he win things? No. But he's also spent the longest, I think it was his 160 game in charge. So he doesn't usually last that long uh, at clubs. There's also a stack of injuries they're dealing with. The injury list is long. Um, So there's that. But one thing about that game, you know, and Frank Lampard being the manager and they were chanting his name at the end of the game and he was clapping and the ownership was happy and the fans and it it just it was good. It was a great place to be. It just seemed like it was back. I don't know if it's going to be back or is this a short term thing, but man that was hopping. Goodison was absolutely hopping. So good for them, good for Frank and hopefully uh he can do a good job there because I think he's uh he's suited for management. I really do. Um but you know, at the end of the day results are everything and if he can hang in there, he'll uh he'll he'll do just fine but the
2: pressure is obviously on. And Jimmy, I mean, he's learned right. Derby County, right? Obviously, to yeah. jump to Chelsea, maybe a bit too soon. I mean, it's—I think it's pretty cruel and unfair when people criticise Frank Lampard because he's still beginning his his managerial journey, right? And he's—he's he's not an out-and-out rookie either.
1: No, he's not. But I—I I, I do think he took the the Chelsea job a little bit too early. Um, I think he should have held on a little bit more to where he was uh, and build, get the experience that you need as a manager. Right. Because I think, you know, we, Craig and I, we talked about it the other day, like even with David Moyes, David Moyes was in a great situation at Everton, really was. And you kind of look and say, well, would he still be at Everton now if he stayed? Because he had that club running perfectly, right? Good success. They had everything in place, everything in order. And then he wanted to jump to Man United to take over Ferguson. And then he goes there and he's out of a job within a, a year, not even. Mm-hmm. And then he's struggling a little bit to get back into it, but yeah. with sometimes as a manager you you when things are going well, you've got to stay where you are and then, even though you you keep thinking, "Oh, I want that big job and I want to go to the big club when you take that job, you have to be one hundred percent ready and obviously, Frank you know is loving his passion at Chelsea, he ends up going there doesn't work out for him um and fortunate for him he's 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 got a job at everton, so hopefully things go well for him and he can and he can hold on and stay there as long as he can. Because what's the shelf life now? 18 months, 19 months as a manager? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's very short, is It's isn't it? very yeah, short. last few years. So but, but, I think as managers, once you get into that, that job and things are going well,
2: stay. Stay as long as you can. But then there's a Bielsa who you mentioned, Craig, doesn't stay places very long, but he's also always avoided that big job in most cases as well, right? Big clubs like the Real Madrid have come in for Bielsa before – and he goes, no, this is not my cup of tea. This is not what I do. Which, again, makes him that kind of unicorn in world football management where a, a Lampard or a Moiser are lured in by the big name and the big club, and I understand why most guys would be. Bielsa isn't. And uh, he plays beautiful football, but all overall unsuccessful beautiful football. Mm-hmm. So what's, yeah. How great is he? Yeah, it's an interesting case, isn't it? Like he's yeah, I sort of avoided that.
3: He li- he likes the the projects, you know, yeah. and, and Lee's and and was perfect for that, you know, bringing them up. Um and uh, and that success he has with them, the fans still seem to really like him and uh and he's enjoying his time there. At the end of the day, Lee's are a massive club and uh I think at the moment He's, he was the right guy for, for the job and, and still remains so. And I think they're going to be okay. But I think this injury problem that Leeds have is also causing issues for them. And scoring goals and whatnot has been a problem for them a bit.
1: I, I agree with you. And I think if you think about Leeds, they are a massive club. But that's a role for him where he would have longevity. Simply because of the fact the expectations for Leeds United is just to stay in the Premier League. Right, they're not gonna get into Europe, they're not gonna win the league. It's just to stay. So he's got a number of years there. Every year you just hold on, do a good job, keep leads in the Premier League, you're fine. Because they're not gonna compete with the big boys.
3: And and when they and when they tried to back in the day under was it, David O'Leary? Yeah. Um spending big money, brought in Rio Ferdinand, and you know, they had some massive players there. you know, but their whole business model was structured on them making the Champions League. And then when they didn't, all of a sudden, oh, the financial situation came out and they're not in very good shape at all. And it was the beginning of the end for them uh, for an awful long time. Well, that's why the and I ended up going to Man U because they had to get him off the books, didn't
1: they? He was having yeah. problems and he was costing too much. and Yeah. And Rio as well, eventually. Yeah. And Rio. Well, you think back then they, you know, they had, uh, that Smith, the Cure, Raduca, yeah, Lee
2: Boyer, Luka's great, great team that me. was, Radebi, yeah, no, unbelievable the team that they had back then. Holy how they yeah. how they slipped out of those top four spots, which just you know, in the end was their down downward spiral. I, I, I yeah. don't know because they were a solid team, so much fun to watch. They really were bad, yeah. bad contracts killed them, right? Hey, Jimmy, quickly, I mean, we haven't discussed this about you now. you right now, you're taking some time off. From from coaching, are you long term looking to get back into coaching at in some capacity? Yes, of course, of course. And it's all timing.
1: It's all timing, right? You've you've got to wait for the right opportunity to come along. Um, There's
3: a couple of prisons around that are looking for coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: See, I've got experience there. That's on the resume. That's I know. Right. <laughs> but well, as long as you're as long as you is, unemployed, it's, it's, you're welcome here. It is it is difficult, James, because you know when when you look at managers um that that are out of a job when they get back into it and they take a team, they end up taking a team that's really not successful and very rarely do you end up getting a team where a manager might retire and they've won six championships and they've got loads of money and they've got the best players and you're going well, and if, take-
2: if, if if they do it's just not always easy either look at look at united
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: But those, those jobs
1: don't really come along often. You majority of the time, you're getting a team that absolutely stinks. They're rock bottom, haven't won games. They're lower than a snake's belly. And you've got to go in there and you've got to be the guy that's going to change everything. You know, So it's always a challenge when you take over a, a job and you've got to make sure that you're getting the, the, the right team. And you're, you've got to look at every aspect of it and think, okay, can I turn this around? Or am I going to kill myself trying to get in there and, and I'm going to be out of a job in six months?
3: Yeah. And, and you can, you can crazy. blow tactics right out the window when you look at that, when you're coming into that situation. And it's that's, that's that man management side, you know, where you come in and you got to build everybody up. And this is what we're going to do. And, and great team talks and respect for the players and all that. And I think that's where Everton side. I think that that's worked so far. Um, work long term. Not sure, but, uh, I think that's where he's, he's got. It and uh, and maybe the benefits of the, um when you're going into that situation as a coach that's one of them um there's a lot of negatives yeah. about top players because they haven't had years 15 years experience coaching you know when they retire so you're behind it from player guys like you know Mourinho or banger who never had a playing career but coached From the early 20s and by the time they're in their 30s they are very experienced so much more so than the the great players Uh, but the great players can also if they have the right mindset uh, can control a dressing room and a star players I mean pep was a great player too, right? So he they, they have to respect that as a player, uh, you know, as him as a manager. That goes an awful long way. But to manage superstars is another level of, again. And I think that that's where Pep uh, has proven that he's been able to get the best out of star
2: players year in, year out. It's interesting. Wolves beat Spurs this weekend, right? And look at Wolves, right? So, so Espirito Santo leaves because he goes to the Spurs job. Um, in comes Bruno Lage. still got a pretty <laughs> good team of Wolves, but he is able to bring them to the next level. Perhaps uh mm-hmm. Santo kind of stalled there a little bit. He fails Spurs. They bring in Antonio Conte, who is now really struggling. Three straight losses for Spurs. None of it makes any kind of sense. You know, it, it, it really you know. doesn't. No. <laughs> Spurs <laughs> because, look I mean, terrible. Spurs are not a bad team, but they're just playing poor football defensively, <laughs> absolutely atrocious, and you hear. Conte's comments post-match. He's almost like just throwing his hands up in the air saying, ah, I don't know what to say. I mean, these are rookie yeah. boyhood, boy football mistakes. Yeah, and even with Lloris, you know,
3: he's a world-class goalkeeper, World Cup winner, and it's like, well, you know, what's he supposed to say? Like, it's like, it, but it was just, they were were—they—they didn't get beat uh, worse, actually. I mean, and Wolves are definitely in form, playing some really, really good Football, but Tottenham defense will at, at home, which is something I didn't expect
2: to see under Conte. Yeah, a third straight defeat, and he's getting very angry there, isn't he? He got some players in in January, but uh, you do wonder. I mean, would you be surprised if he's if he's not there this time next year? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he jetsons in the summertime, but. You know, we'll see. Also, I mean, we, we've we discussed this before briefly, but look at their, it's incredible how they're doing despite scoring so few goals. I mean, two goals this weekend is unlike them, but I mean, they scored 21 goals and conceded 17 and they're in seventh place. They're just, what, four points off Champions League football. 21 goals for, consider that Arsenal, who's ahead of them by uh, two points of 34 goals. And it's 38 with United, 44 for West Ham, and of course the top three score for fun. I yeah. mean, how they're doing it defensively is quite amazing.
1: I don't think Wolves get get enough credit because I actually enjoy watching Wolves play. They do play some good football. Um, yeah. but you're right. You know, they, if they can get the attack inside and finish off those those opportunities, and even spend a little bit of money and get that striker that they need, I think they could be pushing. You
3: don't have to get into that European spot. I mean, Raul, I mean, Raul is good. They I, I, they they definitely need a little bit of depth there. Um, they do. <laughs> who doesn't need depth in the striker department? Everybody wants depth. <laughs> yeah, especially,
2: especially in the bottom half of well, the Premier League. We need defend that well. I mean, you can you can get they are getting by with a lack of lack of ruthlessness up top, and they need to address that obviously, but. Um, you know, yeah. st- people still aren't really talking about Wolves, you know, like you mentioned there, but man, they've been one of the, the the best stories of this season so far, I think them and Brighton, Brighton, another team, you know, win again this weekend, another mid table, but it's tiny Brighton who play as good a football as you're going to see in the Premier League, right? They play a beautiful style of football and that's a small yeah. team that by all rights should be in a relegation fight.
3: I think they have. Uh, they might even be at Man U next. I'm not sure. They're coming
2: up anyway. And uh, you got a fancy their channel. A- they tomorrow. You're there. right, great. Tomorrow yeah, United yeah. hosting yeah. Brighton. Hmm. Pressure, get a yeah. draw on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite possibly, eh? So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, some some really. Fascinating games as you can. Palace-Brentford wasn't fascinating. That was just bloody awful. Um, Leicester-West Ham. It was. Craig, oof. It was
3: awful, wasn't it? They, one thing about Palace, you know, like the way they're playing, but they have lots of possession. But they've only had one away win this season. Kind of interesting. So many draws, right? So many draws, yeah. yeah. Brentford, they, they got uh, a couple. Uh,
2: I think they got Arsenal next and then Newcastle, which is going to be big for Brentford. Yeah, no kidding. Look at the draws. Yeah. Who's got the most draws this season? It's got to be Palace, right? Or is it Brentford? Where are we draws, uh, uh, Brighton. Sorry. They're the draw masters. Sorry, Brighton. I'm getting confused here. Yeah. 12 draws, Brighton. 12. Yeah. <laughs> well, Burnley, Burnley and Palace are on 11. Yep. Southampton is too. Where's, um, yeah. so Wolves, uh, sorry. We're talking here. We're talking about, uh, oh, Palace. Yeah. 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 Right. Palace 11. Man. Look at that. It's crazy. Wow, my wife just screamed in the background. What is going on there? Anyway, um, fellas, we're out of time. Quick question, though. Yeah. For my last, uh,
0: my Wongers ignorant question of the week. Um, The the three teams, Norwich, Burnley, Watford, are they immediately uh, relegated? Or do they have to play like
2: the championship teams playing to go up? Automatic relegation, bottom three. There's been talk about introducing playoffs between the, the league championship. Okay. Um, and maybe the, the third last team in, in the Premier League, which I think would be great. Imagine those games. Holy crap. I, mean, I they're, thought they're
0: that's good. why I thought they might do that. Because first of all, easy way to make money and so much on the line. Cause Craig always told me how much broadcaster money comes in as soon as you get into the, uh, into the Prem. So I thought, hey, they take those seven teams. They probably don't have a lot of time, but you take those seven teams and have them play a quick playoff. And hey, here mm-hmm. are the ones maybe the the top team in the in the in the championship get in immediately, but maybe you have those three in the three play in for the
3: next level. There there was actually back in the day, uh I think the third ball ended up playing a playoff with a team in the championship or the, what we call second division back oh. then. Uh, but now it just three go down. Some of the other divisions run differently, even going to the conference or, or the nation, national league uh, now, which uh, Ryan Reynolds, Wrexham are in uh, their playoff system is, is kind of different where the, the top team only goes into the league number two and three, get a bye into the semifinals four, five, six, and seven. Play each other to play the two and the three. So it's, you know, trying to bring more, you know, excitement into it and, and more opportunities for, for clubs to have a hope to
2: get to, into the league. But, yeah. uh, that's also a, a grind down there as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, fellas. Um, that was fun. Good weekend of football, Champions League week this week as well Four huge games coming up. Uh, we'll probably address. Then on Wednesday, um, and we hope to have an interview set up for tomorrow. Stay tuned for information on that. But Craig, Jimmy, Wonga, as always, an absolute pleasure. Cheers very much for listening.